Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Good morning, folks. Um, a little excited today. I have a special guest. Uh, his name is uh, Mr. Dick Ross. I've known Dick for over 10 years. And you are joining here your host, Jose Negron, on Voice of America on the Variety Channel, hosting the leading technology show, T3, today, tomorrow's technologies. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank everybody who's out there listening. Uh, I'm really excited about our increase in U.S. Uh, folks that are listening and also our international audience. Uh, it was quite a surprise to me uh, that we're getting such a, a great feedback from our international audience, and we'll continue to grow on that. As a reminder, the, the reason why I decided to do the uh, T3 show was really to bring the technologist, the engineer, the innovator, to talk to the non-techie, uh, the folks who are scared to pick up a new technology. Uh, if you heard a little bit about Alexa uh, recording your conversation and sending it back to Amazon, it's it's not true. So, so uh, that's the curtain uh, buzz on the street. But uh, Alexa is there to help you um, run your smart homes. So and, and a, a few other things, uh, she can look up questions. So uh, the the reason we're successful here is that we have a dialogue with our guests. Our, our guests are very well informed. They're leading technologists in areas, lead, uh, leading users and adopters of technology. So this show is about uh, engineering and technology fun. And uh, my guest, as I said, is uh, uh, Mr. Dick Ross. Uh, I'll, I'll divide the show into three major segments. Uh, first of all, how did Dick get into the engineering uh um, curriculum or engineering uh, workforce, and uh, and why is he so keen on new technology? Which uh, for me, I, I kind of laugh because every time he came to visit, he always had a new gadget, and uh, the new gadget happened to be the latest technology. So I always call him the latest adopter. So that's the reason I'm kind of excited about the show. And finally, we'll talk about uh, his gadgets that he has quite a quite a variety. Uh, we shall be so lucky if we own one or two of these. And then, of course, finally, we'll we'll start looking at what does Dick doesn't have that he really wants but can't afford right now. <laughs> so right now, I will talk a little bit about Dick. Uh, he's a retired Navy av- aviator, uh, commander, former commander. He's been working for Avanti Technologies as a consultant since 2008. I was lucky enough to meet uh, Dick at early uh uh, 2001 when I went to DARPA and we worked probably previously a couple of years together but the picture I love about him yeah, I mean the guy's in, in Reno, he's skiing, he's got the life of luxury and he, he says I want to come back to work so that was my image of Dick holding a beautiful mountain scene sunny, skiing glorious and he says I want to come back to work and the reason why is we, we he has worked with some great folks, uh, DARPA the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency OSD research on electronic warfare and countermeasures and then finally he retired uh, from the government in 2007 he resides in Reno where he's uh, with his wife and of course uh, all he gets to play with all his gadgets and we'll talk about that so let's get started on our program Dick welcome to T3 well thank you uh, Jose this, uh, this sounds like it's going to be interesting looking forward to it 
Yes, it will be because I've always considered you, uh, you know, a uh, a geek or or a gadget guy, early adopter. And when I first met you, uh, you know, we were working on the company. Uh, you, I, we were still on the Dell computers, uh, Microsoft, and and you, of course, had uh, had moved to Apple. So my curiosity was, why Apple at the time? And and uh, so why do you love Apple products? Well, I actually. <laughs> It, it kind of go, it goes back to when Windows was first uh, being hatched, if you will, which was in the uh, early 90s. There was also, uh, shoot, I had a, well, I don't know, it was a Commodore, uh, it wasn't a 64, 128. I had a Commodore 128. And uh, it ran this software, uh, Berkeley software stuff. It was all GUI. It was really neat. I had to... Uh, I had to boot the thing with a hard disk and all that, but uh, my, my computer. But anyway, I had a better performance capability in a GUI environment with the equivalent of PowerPoint and Word and all that stuff. I had much better performance on my Commodore 128 than the early Windows. And I said, you know what? I'm not too big on this stuff. Well, this, this, this GUI stuff... Uh, did migrate over to Macs, and the, basically the way that the way that they were working is very similar to what I experienced with that early computer. And I said, you know, this this Windows stuff is just too hard. So that's that's the reason I moved. <laughs> what year was that? Early, a uh, long time ago, I can tell you. Oh yeah, well that started. Uh, oh gosh, that started in the uh, early nineties, about mid ninety, I guess, ninety two, yeah. ninety three. Yeah. But uh, I didn't finally migrate to uh, to Mac products. I mean, own them until uh, I was getting ready to uh, leave government service. As yeah. The government we were mandated that we had to use a a uh, a Windows machine. Right. And uh, right. so that was that. Well, as soon as I got away from the government, it's like, hey, I don't have to use that anymore. I'd rather use something that's easy to use instead of something that's always asking me a bunch of stupid questions. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go back to the beginning. What what got you interested in engineering, uh, technology? Because you've always been a technologist, as far as I'm concerned. What what got you started in high school or before that even? Well, actually, it started before that. My dad was in the Navy, and we were over in uh, in uh, uh, Tennessee. He was an instructor. And on uh, uh, radars and stuff like that, so he he knew all of this electronic stuff. But uh, I, I was a little kid, elementary school, and I flew uh, model airplanes, yeah, the little U-control things. Some of them with the little diesel engines, and some of them, but anyway, piston powered. And I I so also built some uh, little planes that use the little bottle jet rockets. And anyway, the stuff was fun, and the sailors helped me at the hobby shop to build stuff. And all the new technology, and they had some huge airplanes that were radio controlled, and I just thought all this stuff was neat. And I just kept going after that in, uh, into uh, junior high school and a science project. I, I built a little jet-powered boat and uh, did Newton's second law or something. Anyway, I just, it's, just, it's just fun stuff to me. <laughs> so you got encouraged by the people around you, really. I mean, uh, they encouraged your uh, adventurism, uh, your technology, uh, your model airplane. I, I have to laugh now because now I know why you, you're, you're so in love with drones even today. So it's quite, quite funny to me. Uh, so I know you have one or two f- drones out there. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, I've got. Uh, I do have a few. Uh, they're they're the cheaper ones, uh, or, you know, around the hundred dollar range or whatever. 
and they're kind of limited how I use them out here. I'm almost a mile high, and it's often fairly windy. So these are a little bit on the light side for uh, windy conditions, but they, nonetheless, they're fun. One is, uh, oh, it's got the link back through your Wi-Fi so you can see the video and all this kind of stuff. Take pictures. All of them do that. But uh, one I recently bought has got GPS built into it and all that, and so it goes to waypoints, and it does, it does all kinds of neat stuff, and the little thing costs just slightly over 100 bucks. So anyway, they're kind of fun to play with. See, my, I'm sitting here just smiling because I know you're just enjoying every bit of it, watching that drone go from uh, one GPS coordinate to the other. But that's fun and everything. Well, so fun. let's. Uh, I watch it. The, the little bit of wind will come up, and I see it battling the wind, trying to stay in position. I said, "Oh, this is neat." <laughs> <laughs> so right after uh, you you started, uh, you know, going to these hobby shops, you got into uh, model airplanes. You uh, continue on on your career, basically from high school started. Uh, uh, I guess dedicating your curriculum more to uh, engineering and science. Well, so I Is just that- like science. Yeah, physics. Yeah. I just thought I thought physics was neat stuff. I wasn't big in chemistry or any of that. And matter of fact, one of the one of the issues I had is I really like physics, but I wasn't real big in mathematics for mathematics' sake. So physics gave me a way to apply it, and I like that. Yeah, and, you uh, like the application. Anyway, I just stayed with it. Oh yeah, in high school. Matter of fact. Yeah, I remember uh, I did a uh, independent science. I went to, it's one of the oldest high schools in the U.S., uh, down in Georgia of all places. It's about fourth or fifth oldest. But they had a brand new science building, and I was using a thing called a Michelson-Morley interferometer. And it just, it was measuring the speed of light across several paths, and I would put uh, some dry gas on one path, and I'd be measuring the index of refraction of stuff. Well, anyway, it was just kind of fun stuff, and it also was kind of fun when I had to shut down the whole science building because the central air conditioning system was interfering with my measurements, and so obviously I wasn't real popular that day. <laughs> well, it happens to all of us playing in the science lab, but who was your biggest mentor as you, you, know, you started getting this interest in technology, you loved the application of physics, and as you begin to grow your knowledge and interest, uh, you're, you're shooting for, and my guess is an engineering career. Uh, career. Well, I, I, was, I was headed in that direction. Uh, but uh, industry, my dad was like, yeah, you need to get out in industry. So actually, my undergraduate, I got uh, a degree in industrial technology. Now, there's a lot, a lot of engineering in that, and I learned about transducers and accumulators and all those things that nowadays are micro-miniature. The physics behind them hadn't changed at all, but the size of them is just incredibly small now, and that's why we can do all the stuff that, uh, with, with these little toys. But anyway, my... Uh, in high school, my physics uh, teacher, he, he, was, uh, I, I, he was a big man. All, my science teachers were. They were very encouraging. And uh, then after I, I got out and got in the Navy, a lot of my uh, squadron mates were, uh, were big. Uh, they encouraged me. They said, oh, back when I was a, a young lieutenant, uh, was, there was an opportunity to go to graduate school in engineering at Monterey. And the yeah. guy said, hey, man, you really ought to do that because you like that stuff. And so I, I've, I've had just the people around me have uh, supported uh, what I find interesting. Well, that's a big feather in your cap, going to grad school in Monterey, uh, a leading engineering institution, and, and just learning and being surrounded by other people who have, are like-minded like yourself. Uh, that was quite a treat for you. 
Oh, it was. It was. And this was in the late 70s, early 80s. And we had just little what we called single board computers. And we had some students that were just starting to write code to do word processing. And we used these little bitty Intel 8080s before the processors were out to write our thesis. And yeah, it was pretty neat. I enjoyed it. Well, as you continue your uh, career, you, you know, you spent some years in, uh, of course, in the military uh, as you began to retire to the last uh, duty station, GIFCOM and DARPA. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, some of the areas that either encourage you or discourage you? Well, actually, uh, yeah, I, I retired I retired from the Navy in 94, but the last few years, I was really, really lucky. I say last few, the, in the late uh, 80s into the 90s. I got to use, uh, when I was at uh, graduate school, my thesis was on designing a weapon station for new electronic warfare equipment that went into one of our airplanes. Well, by the time I got back to the squadron, they were starting to put the stuff in the planes, and somebody had to go test it. So I got to do that stuff. So that was fun. I'm, my last few years of flying were, I really, it was a good deal. I loved it. Uh, but then when I got to flying a desk and being a staff guy, it was, it was time to retire. And then since I, I had uh, combatant command joint duty and all that, I got an offer I couldn't refuse to go to joint forces command. And it was in an experimentation directorate. So then I got to get back into stuff I like. And I got, got to work with DARPA. That's where I first started working with DARPA. And uh, anyway, it, it, it was all quite interesting. And uh, in between uh, sessions that... Uh, with working for the military, I did a couple of years of enterprise resource planning, big, 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 big software stuff like SAP and that kind of stuff for mm-hmm. the tier one automobile manufacturers around uh, Dearborn and Detroit and all that. And that took me back to my undergraduate industrial engineering. So I learned a lot from that. And I also saw that uh, these big IT companies really move fast. I was impressed. Yeah, you and I have had several conversations on that, uh, especially uh, the enterprise resource planning. Uh, you spent uh, several years there, and just the knowledge that you gained there on uh, on moving the software was quite impressive. Uh, what can you go back and tell me? What was your or tell the audience uh, a little bit of one of your toughest projects that you've had, and what did you learn from it, and what how did you overcome it? Well, okay. Actually, there were two. I was thinking about this. One was uh, doing the, uh, the graduate uh, design work and all that uh, to, uh, to actually uh, propose the, the engineering changes to change an aircraft, to put in new weapon systems. And then to go out and check it, that was, that was a bit of a, a, a challenge. And the other was the uh, enterprise resource planning and just the pierce, the scope of it, how wide the web is of places that you connect to when you're doing uh, planning and control of inventory for, oh, 40 or 50 dispersed uh, sites of a company, and you know where everything is, you know when a a shipment is going to arrive somewhere. I mean, it's just, it's pretty neat stuff, but to get your arms around that, that large of a software set, that took a while. And so as a young engineer getting ready to go off, let's say, either college or start his first uh, job, what, what would you advise? Well, uh, if, if people are interested in new technologies, and uh, that's just their, 
first of all, I wouldn't get into it unless I liked it, and I would say the same for anybody else, but uh, I would say they need to kind of figure out, are they interested in new stuff that's coming out? What are the components? What's the science behind them? How does it interface with uh, with uh, radio frequency propagation. It's just uh, figure out where this technology is headed. If you like that, that's what I would say uh, play with. That's what I did when I was a kid. I, my dad got me uh, a kit. They, there were these uh, kits to make uh, CB radios and all this. And so I, I made a few radios and played with them and all that. And it was fun. But just uh, playing with a new technology is a lot of fun. That's perfect. And I know you spent some time at DARPA uh, and both as an exchange and then uh, coming back to uh, get uh, some more of the DARPA um, uh, technologies to uh, go to GIFCOM. Um, what, how was your days at DARPA? Oh, I loved it. It was like, it was like uh, my experience with the uh, enterprise resource planning, IT guys and all that, except it was, it was actually Department of Defense. I went, wow, I did not know. We had a group in defense that could move this fast and be this flexible. So it was fun. And I was talking with a lot of the program managers that were on the cutting edge of microelectromechanical systems. And I got to go out to the sites where they're manufacturing them. And it was just, it was like a kid in a candy store. You know, it's, it's, I'm smiling back here behind the mic here because it is uh, it is interesting. I'm uh, like you. I did not learn about the uh, DARPA until very late in my career, and I, I, for the life of me, I just don't understand how people can, don't want to go there or couldn't. We've got about thirty seconds left. Any other insights uh, that you want to give the kid there? Well, if they're interested and if they see things, read a lot, read the science stuff, and they'll see DARPA pop up in and out of all that stuff. And I remember when I was younger, it was like, wow, that sure would be neat to work for an organization that does all that advanced stuff. So read the technical stuff. Oh, you can start with popular mechanics. You don't have to get, make it real hard. But do good in science and do well in math because you're going to need them both. That's fantastic advice, and, and more importantly, uh, you know, do what you love. Uh, I learned a couple things from you, Dick, and I've known you for over ten years. Uh, your, um, you know, your airplane, uh, early airplane desires, and of course, uh, CB radios. So that's fantastic, and and of course, the studies, and just pick up a good mentor to help you along the way. As you had science teachers, so we're off for on our first break. Uh, you're listening to T Three Engineering and Technology Fun. We'll be back with Mr. Dick Ross. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Our humanity is a thing we take for granted, but it takes many forms, and it requires much of us to fully express it. Listen to On Living, the trauma and beauty of being human with host Dr. Leanne Nguyen. This program will explore topics about survival, fulfillment, hope, connection, being fully alive to ourselves and to others. Guests are people whose life experience inspires us to reflect on these questions. Tune into On Living, broadcasting live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to today, tomorrow's technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Let's continue our show here, T3 program, with our guest, uh, Mr. Dick Ross. Uh, uh, I, I'd say Dick is an early adopter of most technologies. Uh, the show today is engineering, technology, fun, and I can tell you and I can witness that uh, Mr. Dick Ross enjoys every bit of the innovations that come out and the technology he uses. In this particular segment, we'll talk about some of the gadgets he's used, why why he's uh, become an early adopter to that. And as we start off, you know, he was an early adopter of the Apple product after leaving the military. But it was I always kind of smile every time he came to the house because, you know, he had the latest computer, had the latest tablet had uh, uh, the distribution of backing up all his information on the cloud. Uh, and then, of course, he's got his Dick Tracy watch. So, I mean, you can almost put a stamp uh, on his buttocks uh, called Apple uh, Kid because uh, he, he loves it. Uh, it's simplicity he talked about. So we'll, we'll turn around. and uh, Dick, uh, tell me a little bit about your watch. I understand you're having a little problem with it. Yeah, I did. Uh, I picked up one of the Apple Watches uh, not long after they came out. Uh, I, I, I thought, well, that's kind of nice. It's uh, an extension of your phone, and that way you don't have to pull the phone out of uh, your pocket. And for me, right off the bat, I found it was indispensable in uh, working with you because you know often I'd be trying to drive your car away from the airport or something like that, and you'd call me, and instead of having to go find my phone, I would just turn my wrist over and talk to you. So. You know, I found out, I'm going to like this stuff a lot, you know. Well, uh, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm sitting here smiling because I, rec- uh, I was just thinking about the story about you getting to the smartphones. In the early days, you used to have one of those flip-tops sp- phones, and you would go to meetings, and our meetings are very uh, dynamic. So you're halfway there, and, and the meeting would be canceled, and there's no way I could get a hold of you. And and uh, you would end up going to the meeting, sitting around, and then call me and says, hey, well, this guy never showed up. What happened? And I would say, well, I've been trying to get a hold of you, but I couldn't. And uh, so that was our early, uh, uh, I guess, adaptation of uh, going to get a smartphone for you. 
Yeah, that, that's fact. Uh, that's exactly the way it went. And I, I went and I said, okay. I had known uh, right before I uh, left government service, the, uh, the uh, Apple phone came out. And I knew some of the uh, our uh, geek guys in the IT side. I, and I saw them when the guys had them, and they, they really liked them a lot. And I thought, well, since I do have to uh, get something a little smarter that's going to allow me to get my emails and all that, and for the reason you just uh, uh, explained perfectly, I, I got a, an iPhone. And uh, it's, uh, it does what I needed to do. It's amazing how we can communicate no matter where we're in the Washington, D.C. area. And you ride the subway or you ride, uh, you know, away from uh, just uh, the general population and you can still pick up text messages or emails or make a phone call. Although uh, today, by today's standards, we've got more uh, um, microwaves up, up and, uh, and people are putting in the uh, receivers so that you can uh, receive texts on the metro here in the D.C. area. But let's move on. Uh, one of your greatest passion and one that I'm, I've adopted here recently is riding motorcycles. Uh, you've been riding motorcycles for, my guess, is over 50 years. What got you started and uh, what type of bikes do you currently have? Well, what started me is uh, when I was uh, a young kid living in Southern California, uh, my dad took us up to uh, the observatory at Mount Palomar. Well, during the trip, he saw a couple of uh, oh, early 20s, late teenagers or whatever, and they were on a Vespa scooter. And he, I guess he saw that, and he thought, that's kind of neat. Instead of worrying about these kids crashing my car, maybe I'll get them a scooter. So anyway, I got a, a Vespa when I was, oh gosh, I was only about 13 or 14. And uh, I rode that for a while, then I bought a Honda motorcycle. And then uh, while I was going through college, I worked in the summers uh, as a mechanic for Honda in my hometown. And... It just got me going, and I'd go out dirt bike riding, things like that, with some of the bikes that belonged to our, uh, the company. And I just kept doing that for a while until my kids started oh, getting old enough to where uh, they might get interested, and my wife made me quit for a few years. Well, they're gone now, so I'm back on the motorcycles. And you mentioned I have three. Actually, technically, I've got two, plus I've got a little pit bike which was my kid's little Honda mini bike, a little bitty 50cc thing, which is based on the technology of the 1950s set through Honda. And it's a totally bulletproof little toy. I put it in the back of my truck when I go to the races, and it scoots me around the pits. My other two bikes, I've got a, an 1100. It's a cruising bike, uh, look, kind of chopperish looking, sounds good. It's got a nice big seat on it, so I can drive it from Reno to San Diego and relative comfort. And then I've got an on and off-road bike, so when I want to go up the back roads here in the mountains, I take the, uh, the, that bike. That bike happens to be, it's not a Honda, it's a BMW. And uh, I bought it because I'm too short for a 650 Honda, which I would have bought, but the 650 BMW uh, was the right seat height. And that's a great bike. I like it. It's just that uh, it's got a little bit too many bells and whistles for me. I like I like simple motorcycles. 
So the really the technology in the motorcycles, I mean, over the years have uh, improved tremendously. I mean, uh, I, I guess when I was growing up, I always wanted either a 300 or a 500 uh, series bike, and and today, you know, the you I, I think the beginning bike is about 800. You can go back to the smaller bikes if you look for it, but most of them start at 800. At least that's uh, what I have observed. What 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 do you like on the cruiser more than anything else? Well, what, what I like about it, matter of fact, there was a, a ride up This bike, uh, the, the Honda Shadow 1100, they made that bike for 30 years. And I asked the owner of the bike shop that I worked at years ago, I said, uh, hey, Wilbur, how, how many miles did they, can you get on a, one of these Shadows before you have to overhaul the engine? And he said, nobody knows. Wow. We're talking yeah. about reliable. It's very reliable. It's very yeah. comfortable. And uh, it has enough torque to tow a boat, although it's not super duper fast. Right, right. Well, I uh, experienced my first long ride uh, over the weekend. I uh, put in about six hours of uh, cruising. It was quite interesting. I can't wait to get back out there. I, I understand now why you like it so much about going uh, from Reno to San Diego. Uh, I didn't understand that until I did my ride this weekend, so I compliment you for encouraging me to get out there. Uh, the dirt bike is a different experience, and uh, that's what I owned when I was in college was a dirt bike. Uh, in fact, uh, we would ride around and just get away from uh, you know, studies for a while and just cruise uh, back there on the, the wild patches of Louisiana and everything and i assume you're doing the same thing what do you see new or improve or innovative in the dirt bikes because they have changed tremendously well all of them have but it's well like this uh this particular one i have it's like i can change the uh the suspension settings almost on the fly uh i can disable it's got the uh automatic braking system on the front and you disable that when you go off in the woods um, of course, it's fuel injected. It cranks up really, really fast. Um, it's uh, just it's very, uh, very flat as far as the power band, and it's uh, extremely uh, easy to ride. Uh, much more so than uh, bikes were back in the uh, early '70s, the late '60s. Back then, it was uh, two cycles were real popular for dirt bikes, but they were kind of what you call peaky. You get them into a certain RPM range, and all of a sudden, they had good power. But outside of that range, they, they drove like dogs. And uh, nowadays, the, the four-cycle engines are more often preferred because they've gotten to where with the val uh, variable valve timing and other uh, technology things they've done to the basic internal combustion engine, uh, they're, uh, they're a superior engine to a two-cycle well, they certainly have improved, uh, uh, the bikes have. Every time I go to a new bike show, I'm always impressed by the technology, uh, both from a uh, uh, lighting perspective and visibility of the bike, the ability to uh, touch the various gadgets on the bike to uh, uh, help get you informed. I mean, my uh, I happen to own a Harley, but uh, it, and I'm sure your cruiser does too. It's all interconnected with the inner mic. Uh, you know, you have radio, you have XM, you have... Uh, navigation system, you got heating and lots of power. So it was quite. Uh, I, I found I found it quite amazing to take the long drive, and I can't wait to do the scenic drive from uh, Washington down to uh, Charlottesville uh, by the Shenandoah Valley Mountains here in the next couple of weeks. You have great bike trails there. What's your favorite one in uh, in the Reno area? 
Well, it has. Uh, it's up in the up in the mountains, just south of Tahoe, uh, a place called Markeyville, and it's just really, really windy, uh, and it's just fun. I mean, you're just you're just turning all the time, left, right, left, right. And then there's one other one between Reno and uh, Auburn, California, on uh, Highway 49, and it is so windy that they've got signs up. Uh, road signs warning motorcyclists that they're getting into very curvy areas. And it, it's right next to, a, I think, the Yuba River. I can't remember. Or it could be the Upper American. But anyway, it's gorgeous. It's just fun. And you just can't beat the visibility you get from being on a motorcycle. Even a, a convertible car, which I've got, uh, you just you, know, you can't see as well. Right, and and just plain enjoyment. Now you're a big skier, big ski buff. Uh, you left. Uh, that's what you love to do in the wintertime, and you go back home. The good thing is you're wearing a helmet now. So tell me a little bit about the ski equipment and the technology that you've seen in the in the equipment that you're buying. Well, the uh, the skis are it's kind of interesting. Back oh forty years ago, my first skiing uh, uh, trip was on two hundred and ten. Uh, uh, centimeter uh, ski, long skis anyway and they were skinny and they were straight nowadays they they have parabolic skis which they're fat in the front and they actually the skis will turn themselves you don't have to slice through to make your turns you just transfer your weight and they're they're much more uh, forgiving and uh, uh, much sportier and uh, yeah that's I like that that's uh it makes it easier to ski Right. Well, I, one of a lot the things of times, that, the older I get, I just go out and I just cruise down the mountain. It's like zero energy. I just go downhill and have a good time. Yeah. The boots are, are changing, too. Uh, the dynamics of the boots uh, have changed. The material of the uh, clothes you wear have been drastically altered from big oh, bulky yeah. and, to light, thin, uh, and warmer. Yeah, and then uh, my helmet that I have, uh, I noticed uh, the the used to be the... They, uh, he was a legend, the chief instructor at Mount Rose, which is where I like to ski. Um, he had this uh, helmet, uh, helmet, it's an Italian helmet and all that, but I thought it was really neat. It had an integrated visor. It's much like a fighter pilot's helmet. And anyway, I got one of those, and it actually it feels like the helmet I used to wear when I, when I flew. Well, the helmets we wore when we flew jets, uh, they custom made the inside of the helmet to fit you perfect. Well, this new helmet is ultra light, but it's very strong. I mean, it's, uh, it's certified for Olympics and all that stuff. It's real comfortable, and it doesn't fog up. So if you pay a few bucks extra, and you get something for it. Yeah, you're you're right there. But uh, looking at a form fit helmet, light, uh, uh, very durable, and a lot safer around the uh, you know your head. And I see more and more folks skiing with helmets. Uh, so that is the latest change, where you had uh, folks not wearing the helmets when we grew up. Well, I, I learned the hard way. Uh, the first couple of years I was back here in Reno skiing, I hit an ice patch on the one turn, and hit the back of my head and it knocked me out for a second. So I got to ride down the hill in the ambulance for him to check my head out. And that wasn't any fun. Fortunately, I, I was okay, but I had been out for over a minute, and so that was protocol. And so after that, it was helmet time. 
Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I haven't skied in a while. So, but I have looked around. Uh, I know my son loves. Uh, he's a uh, I guess black diamond skier. I'm still on the green or red slopes uh, myself. But he he uh, wanted to go skiing, and we'll have to take you up on that offer to get to Reno one day. I'll stay on the uh, red red slopes, and you guys can go enjoy the black. And uh, well, I but, I uh, kind of do. I I do the intermediate. And, and I'll do an occasional black, but it's normally when the ski conditions are such that I need the extra slope to keep the speed up. When the snow starts getting uh, a little on the wet side, that slows you down. So what you, what you need to, to have a good skiing uh, experience is you need a little more slope because it just it helps your control. And so uh, I'll tend to go to the blacks when the, when the snow slows down. Right. So let's let's turn to your latest hobby, race driving, uh, race car driving. Tell me a little bit about that. How'd you get started? Do we got a couple minutes here? So tell me. Oh, gee, that goes back to the late 70s. Uh, I bought this thing, a little roadster called a Jensen Healy. And my buddy, who I now race with, I, I've known this guy since flight school, gosh, since the uh, 70, 71. Um, but anyway... Uh, I used to, uh, we used to go to the races and all that, and he started, he, he picked up an uh, older Porsche and modified the heck out of it, one of the early mid-engine 914.6s, and he's a really accomplished on the track. But anyway, I went and uh, I pitted for him for a while, and I thought, well, you know what, I may take that, that Haley of mine and set it up for the track, because this looks like fun. And uh, fortunately, he, goes, he found me a, uh, a car that was already set up, and it was ready to go race. I, I had to put some more money into it to make it faster, but, uh, but anyway, I started getting out and doing the races like he does. It's just fun. It's, it's the only place you can go there and put your foot in the floor, and you don't have to worry about a cop. So you go uh, all the way, but you're getting frustrated now, aren't you? Uh, you got the well, newer version cars out there. Well, I am because of the new technology. Yeah, yeah. Like over in, uh, in, in Monterey at Laguna Seca, a lot of the people that tend to go there now are, uh, they're pretty affluent. They're out of, uh, out of Silicon Valley. And they'll buy the brand new, what we call cup cars or uh, GT3s or what. These are, these are 100,000 plus cars that are slightly st- uh, street legal. I, can't, I, can, I cannot compete with them. I mean, in the turns, I'm okay, but they've got about 70 mile an hour speed advantage on me in the straightaways. So I get tired of waving them on by. So I go to places where, uh, where they don't, all the cars aren't brand new cars. Yes. Well, it, it makes a big difference with uh, the technology, but uh, it seems like some of the old technology is still capable. It's just you just get outdone in turns, and so you we kind of move on. But what, what's interesting to me is that you uh, you love your uh, your gadgets. Uh, you you're a leader in uh, new technology, and you love to play with uh, with I'm going to call them toys because uh, you have quite a collection. And I guess I'm following a little bit on your footsteps. Not quite as much, but a little bit. But uh, let's go take our uh, second commercial break. We'll be back uh, with uh, Mr. Dick Ross. Uh, I call him my early adopter of cool technology gadgets. We'll be back.
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Divorce or domestic family issues can take their toll not only on the adults who are party to it, but also to their children. Sometimes separation or divorce are far better solutions than staying around a toxic relationship. Now there's a show that listens and provides solutions. Listen for Reclaiming Your Life with host Don Christensen. In this program, we discuss family crisis issues which can happen to anyone. Divorce with dignity is possible, and working together can achieve wonderful results. Listen Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. In fitness and health, we all deserve a second chance. Join host Michael Skog for the program, You Only Stronger. You always have the ability to start fresh, even if you slip up on your diet or fitness program. Even small steps taken throughout the day can help. Each show will conclude with weekly assignments that you can use and will want to hear your feedback. You Only Stronger airs live Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks, to T3, your host, Jose Negron. We continue our show today on Engineering Technology Fund. I think you've gotten uh, a good perspective uh, why I call Mr. Dick Ross a leading technologist adopter because you name the gadget and he is uh, leading uh, the way to uh, use the technology. Uh, And, and of course, he critiques the technology as he goes through. And recently we were just talking about his race car and I think he wanted to add a couple more uh, segments on that uh, race car and especially the tires, how they've improved and, and in the computerization on the newer cars that they're not quite up to uh, speed as far as the ability they have. But uh, Dick, you got any other comments? Well, yeah, I can address both of those. Yeah, I had not said before, but the, uh, the, the technology with uh, some of these newer, almost slick race tires is, it's pretty awesome. Uh, matter of fact, it's such that uh, you can't let them get cold, like towards freezing, because it'll change the characteristics of the rubber compounds. And uh, many of the better ones, uh, ones that I run right now, uh, they, they have heat cycles. You can only run them about, oh, 12 to 14 runs, races, a half hour, hour, whatever, before they run through their heat cycles, and they're no longer, even though you've got lots of tread left, your, your rubber compound has changed on you. 
So that, all that stuff's kind of interesting. And then, as I was mentioning earlier, some of these uh, new cars that super fast, they've got, uh, they basically drive themselves. The computers keep the drivers from getting in trouble, usually. But anyway, the, the guys are driving, their computer's driving. All they're doing is just sitting back there having a cocoa while their car goes a million miles an hour. But uh, every once in a while, it bites them. I know at Laguna Seca, I had a brand new uh, Cayman S, and he decided to try to straighten out the corkscrew. Well, his car ran fine, but the problem with all this new super-duper technology is once it hits the, the physics limits of the car, it breaks, and it doesn't warn him at all. So he ended up having a car in three pieces. Fortunately, he wasn't hurt. But with our older cars... We're fighting it. You know, you know, you know what the road feels like because it's just yeah, you and the road. I think that's the difference between the, getting to the new. I, I used to uh, being an aviator. I, you know, we, they always took us to the sim to fly and and practice uh, whether it's you know, landing or bombing or or takeoffs or whatever. I never did like the sims because I, I never felt like I was actually doing the same thing. If you made a mistake. You can always push the sim back and recorrect. Uh, I mean, that's the great advantage of it is that you can make a mistake and recover. Um, but I always thought flying uh, needed some air sense, and you only get that by being up there and flying. And yes, we we do make mistakes. Uh, there's no question about it. But you, hopefully, you've gone through other people's mistakes and learned and read. So I see the same factors applying in your uh, race car driving capabilities. You gotta sense it. Yeah, yeah. It's well, if 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 they're new and they let the car do what the car can do, uh, new people won't realize when they're in a bad situation until too late. Right, right. So let's let's turn a little bit. Uh, you and I have uh, shared a lot of common interests here in the last ten or fifteen years, uh, uh, specifically the driverless car. Uh, issue is is creeping up. Uh, there's a lot of uh, discussion on new technology, whether I want it or don't want it. The privacy uh, of your technology. Uh, am I sharing it back with uh, the home station? You know, uh, that's going to be the dilemma for Google. And, and really, Amazon is a big uh, purchase, and in Apple and all the big threes. Uh, uh, do I share the individual's uh, personal information? Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that, and what do you see the future looking like? Yeah, um, along that line, I just heard uh, on the on the uh, the news today. Uh, apparently, uh, California is getting ready to put out a technology-driven license plate, and they have a network so that the license plate talks to the network, and it renews and it knows everything, and the network knows where you are, what you're doing, and all that kind of good stuff. And now they're looking as Many states do. They're going, oh, gosh, we can keep track of these cars. Now we can give them a new tax. We can tax them for driving too much or driving at the wrong time. So there's a piece of this new technology stuff that I'm not so sure I like it. Well, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a very private person myself, and I never have uh, understood the uh, uh, 
um, the uh, I guess the quest of getting everything you know about yourself on online. I just never have done that, and it's just interesting that uh, millennials and uh, versus the what I call the baby boomers are it's such a difference in what they approach. Everything is trust, trust, trust. I, I just see a identity, identity, um, your identity being confiscated by others because they know so much about you. But you know we're we are in a digital world. We need to protect your, uh, ourselves. Uh, we've talked about disruptive technology. We've talked about cybersecurity. We've talked about ro- robotics. We've talked about the education. And we talked about the uses of smart gadgets. And just this show uh, today has uh, you know encapsulated a lot of the stuff that uh, – uh, Alex and I uh, started talking about in our very last show. We did a t- uh, a quick run of the latest 2018-2025 uh, technologies, and we've hit on quite a few of these already. So the real key for me is, well, what are your key insights, and uh, what, how do you see technology moving forward? Well, I I I see that we're going to get more interconnected, uh, just totally, and. How you um, maintain that level of security that you want, and that, of course, depends on the individual, but maintaining your own security is going to be a difficult thing. And uh, new technologies, uh, we've already seen it. It's been going on for a decade, over two decades, with all the global positioning systems, new things coming out. Um, it's going to be a totally uh, internet or the network of internet of everything, if you will, is, is kind of where we're headed. And with the artificial intelligence being laid on top, pattern recognition, uh, visuals, uh, actually thinking after being taught by humans, uh, computers are really. Uh, they're, they're going to get uh, kind of uh, worrisome, at least in my mind, because uh, they may be almost thinking for themselves. Well, one of the programs I'm working on right now is, uh, I call it machine learning. I don't think artificial intelligence, uh, uh, a lot of folks are still moving on to that. Uh, but machine learning, making that computer smarter. Uh, I mean, we've got the prototypes right now with Alexia and, and a few others uh, that have come out. And uh, it is amazing. I have turned my home into a smart house. Right now, it's not totally smart because I haven't programmed everything because I'm trying to figure out what I really want to program what I don't want to program. So those are all things that we need to think about, but that it gets back to privacy. Uh, you know, how much do you want to uh, connect to the net and everybody's connected. As you move through, uh, you know, you, we talked to several of your gadgets and in, in your technology and the fun of, uh, of those uh, technologies improving your life. It just certainly has improved your life. Uh, you, you've uh, enjoyed the fun that you get out of all that uh, equipment that you've bought over the years. Uh, any stories uh, that you want to share on uh, one of the gadgets that you've uh, uh, played with and encountered and it just happened to be funny? Well, um, I really can't think of anything other than my countless times going out wandering around trying to find my little quadcopter after the wind came up. You know, so it gets, it, those things get me to go exploring more than I want to at times. 
Yeah, the small ones don't have the power to get back, especially in the high wind gusts that you have. But, but what's really interesting is as a as I look back and as you look back at through your career, you know, you got a youngster who is just about ready to start college, and I think your best advice is um, start something you like, do something that you care about, and you will have a good time. Any other uh, comments to that? No, no, I, and I think you, you'll hear that from a lot of folks. Hey, go do something you really enjoy because you're going to be doing it for a long, long time, hopefully. And yeah. if you are inclined to play with gadgets and want to know how they work and maybe even design some, which is fun. It's fun to build something. It's a great sense of accomplishment to actually build something or you know, think it through, do the engineering behind it, and hand it to somebody else and Okay, they build it, but you you give them the instruction set on how to do it, and then you get to find out how well it works. Those are very rewarding things to do, and those that are inclined to technology need to uh, obviously stay on their sciences and their mathematics, and I th- you know I think they can keep abreast and enjoy uh, the uh, the ever advancing capabilities of the digital world. Absolutely. You know, we're approaching almost uh, 15 years of driverless cars, and the big push, of course, is uh, all the manufacturing that are going to driverless cars uh, technology, and that's been a big push. Uh, Tesla's been on the news. Some of the uh, automatic features haven't worked perfectly for their cars, but sometimes it's just human error, or as you said, even race car driving, not knowing the limits. Uh, but more importantly, you know, we have the driverless car Uber's making a big push for uh, driverless uh, taxis. And then sooner or later, we're going to have a volocopter where we can all get in and, and, and fly to. Uh, it's just a bigger drone. Uh, are you curious in that uh, concept at all? You know, that, that's very interesting. You should bring that one up. You, uh, you ask, you know, what would I like to get? What kind of gadget would I like to have in the future? I'd like to have my own personal quadcopter. <laughs> yeah, we all want to have one of those car flying machines. Eventually, we get there and everything. But a lot of the technology is moving ahead. I mean, you get, you're talking about uh, you know you've got uh, the Fitbits uh, monitoring you, you know your aerobic activities. You've got uh, electronic equipment right now to measure UV sensing. Uh, I, I remember going to the beach and everybody you know putting Santan lotion and just laying out. I don't think you see that as much today because we're a little bit more cautious, uh, but still uh, the UVs get through and you need to be aware of, um, as you said, uh, sunbathe and uh, be careful on that. Uh, electronics has uh, definitely helped. Uh, just saw a program yesterday about a Fitbit, uh, you know, maximizing your burn rate and your calorie oh. burn rate. So yeah, w- with that, uh, something we haven't mentioned, because uh, we don't do it, but my, uh, my wife's in medical, and the advances in medicine, the, uh, the knowledge of the protocols for doing treatments for things, the use of the microelectronic monitoring systems, um, and all of that is, is pretty exciting. That's, yeah. It's kind of yeah. expensive stuff, and uh, maybe that's part of the reason that medicine that costs so much, because tech, that technology isn't cheap. It's kind of interesting. Uh, At one time, I had to go get some uh, radiation treatment, uh, and I was looking at this big piece of equipment, and on the side of it, it said Varian. Well, I recognize that name. 
those are the guys that made these huge traveling wave tubes for some of the jammers that I used to use. Wow. Um, wow. Anyway. Okay, we've got about a minute left. Uh, I'll give you 30 seconds to wrap up on your side, and I'll take the last 30 seconds to introduce uh, what we're going to do in the next program. Any All right, well, thanks, thoughts? Jose. I've, I've, I've enjoyed that, uh, this, and uh, you're right. I like the gadgets to a degree, and that it's like it's always been. I'm curious about what, how the new stuff works, and uh, well, I, I think it keeps I, you younger to keep into I, that. Yes, I, I agree with you, Dick. Uh, you've been a wonderful uh, guest. I appreciate your uh, openness, and uh, and I definitely look forward to every visit because you always bring something new to the table. We always talk about technologies uh, and new gadgets around the house here. Thank you for uh, being here at the, uh, the T3 show. And uh, as we move towards uh, the, the next following, I, I want to personally thank Alex for making this possible Monk, our, my executive assistant she's b- working her tail off to make sure these programs go off and of course uh, Dee Daniels, our executive producer, and the next show is going to be on photography, we're going to learn a little bit about photography what it takes, uh, the modern equipment versus uh, the previous uh, cameras that we used to have where you had to set everything um, in, in, in just right before you could take a perfect picture anyway, this is uh, your host, Jose Negro on the Today, Tomorrow Technology Show. Thank you for listening and looking forward to the following week. Take care, folks. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.